Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, Rob Doster here, and you are listening to a Field of 68 NBA Draft Prospect Profile. We're going to be rolling these out all month, leading up to a full first round live mock draft with the six NBA draft experts that we're going to be hosting one week before the actual draft itself takes place. While you're here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review, that stuff really does help us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on any of the platforms that you listen to the audio of this show. But listen, that's enough of that. That's enough of the promos. Let's get into today's prospect profile. Welcome back to another episode of the 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles here on the Field of 68 Network. My name is Rob Doster. I have Greg Waddell with me, and today we are going to be breaking down Michigan point guard, two guard, combo guard, superstar, best NBA prospect on the Wolverines last season, Kobe Bufkin, a six foot four, 195 pound lefty. Always got to love the lefties that averaged 14 points, four and a half boards, and 2.9 assists while uh, shooting 48% from the floor, 36% from three, 85% from the line. Fun fact, Gregory, that I did not fully realize until I started researching and, and, and diving into some of the film and intel on Kobe Bufkin for this recording. He should be a freshman. He's basically the same age as Kaysen Wallace. He is younger than his teammate, uh, Jet Howard, who is a freshman one and done. So what do you make of young Kobe. I'm warning you now, you're going to think my comp at the end of this is absolutely insane. I am so high on Kobe Bufkin. It hurts. I can't wait for the entire world to realize how good this kid is. Uh, you alluded to it, Rob, but not only is he young, for, he was the youngest player in the country in his class out of high school. Okay. Like he's a classic throwback six years. That's what John Beeline loved. He would find guys who were just like a year and a half younger than the grade level they're currently in. And then it would take a couple years and then he's great. He essentially for all intents and purposes, he should be a one and done. That's how people should view him. His freshman year at Michigan, he played like six minutes a game, had like 12 DNPs and really did not show much of anything. He was frail. He wasn't ready. He put on a ton of muscle in the off season, comes back year two. And for about a month, you're like, oh, this guy's kind of showing some flashes, but he's a nice complimentary piece to Hunter Dickinson and Jed Howard. And then about halfway through the season, it's like, this guy's clearly the best player on this team. What are we doing? And they started to shift everything around their offense to that. And that's coincidentally when Michigan started really playing some good basketball down the stretch of the season. He has a crafty handle. He's left-handed. He's elite at the rim. I mean, we talked about this earlier with, uh, I forget who it was, maybe Jordan Hawkins, or no, for, with Cason Wallace. He shot 71% at the rim as a guard on a team where nobody ex respected the spacing. Like, they never had a shooter at the four. Hunter Dickinson was floating on the perimeter, and people were leaving him wide open to clog up the paint. And Kobe Bufkin, as a 6'4", two-guard, lefty dominant, shot 71% at the rim. It's absurd. Him going downhill, he has a change of pace. 
He can switch directions. He is good with both hands, but if you let him get that corner with his left hand, it's pretty much unstoppable. He does have the athleticism to rise up and finish, uh, but he is a little more of like a floater finesse angles guy than he is like a just rise up and dunk on your head guy. But his upside as a pick and roll ball handler at the next level is absolutely huge. About midway through the season, like I said, that's when everything shifted for him. He realized that he is essentially unguardable on one dribble pull-ups, and that became a shot he used to shoot like once a game to six, seven times a game. And he was so efficient on it. He can get to the baseline, rise up. He has enough length. He's listed at 6'4", but I swear to God from seeing him, he's more like 6'6". He's got a pretty solid wingspan. Like he, His shot was never altered when he rose up with a hand in his face once that I can remember all season. And he's a very solid defender. Like he always drew the assignment of the opposing team's best perimeter player, a, a really good steals guy, never really beat to his spots. Like I, I all around, he's uh, he's going to be solid. Like he doesn't really have a weakness that you're going to worry about as a red flag at the NBA. It's more about okay, what's the shooting upside here? Because he did have stretches of the season where he would go cold. But man, Rob, this is going to sound a little crazy. I don't know that there was a better guard, like a two guard in the country than Kobe Bufkin from February on. Let me read you his numbers. 17 points a game, six rebounds a game, four assists a game, a steal, a block on 52% from the floor, 45% from three, 90% from the free throw for the final two months of the season. That's like a 16 game sample size. He was that good. And Rob, Nobody realized it because by that point in the season, Michigan was out of the national conversation and the narratives had turned to, well, Hunter Dickinson's underachieving and Jed Howard has holes in his game. Like I'm telling you, I think this kid is lottery good, if not top 10 good. And there's going to be a team that gets a massive steal in the middle of the first round in this draft. I'm uh, I'm glad that I'm not the only one on Buffkin Island over here, because I do think that um, I, I agree with almost everything that you just said. Uh, right there. The thing that I love about his game is that it's he doesn't it's not like a layup line scout, right? Like he doesn't pop off with his explosiveness. He's not somebody that is going to get to the basket because they got the best foot first step. Like he's not he's not the physical athlete that Cam Whitmore is, for example, right? Um, yes, he can rise up and he can dunk on you. Um, a lot of that has to do with his size and the fact that he can jump a little bit and he's got some pretty good length. But his, his game is about like being able to get you off balance, being able to get a step and get his shot off, being able to get to the lane where like he just finishes at all angles. You know how there's these lefties where they just always find a way to be able to get to their left hand. They always find a way to be able to finish once they get to the left hand. And it just kind of feels like people aren't used to being able to guard them or understand how to guard them. And that's kind of what Kobe Bufkin is. Um, I think he has real potential as a playmaker in pick and rolls like there were some passes that he threw with his right hand with his left hand live dribble stuff um hitting the weak side corner like i think that he's really good at being able to read the tagger being able to read the help side being able to know what people are doing offensively or i'm sorry defensively um my big question in terms of his upside is i don't think that he is a guy that is going to be a pure point guard at the next level right I think he is someone that is kind of the best situation for him is going to be a little bit of a, of a secondary playmaker, 
right? As a secondary ball handler, as someone that can um, be a floor spacer that when the ball gets swung to him, can attack a second side closeout, can attack a second side ball screen. I think that's probably the best case scenario. Maybe there's a little bit of upside. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what your comp is for him, but I think that it's like the vision that I have for what he can be as a player is somewhere in the neighborhood of like prime Malcolm Brogdon or Tyrese Halliburton. He's a little bit of a different, like his skill set is a little bit different than what Tyrese Halliburton is. I'm more talking about like what, what that role is that he could end up playing. So what do you think his, give me a comp. What do you have for him? So, okay, before I give my comp, I have another number. I had a couple numbers I put stars next to, Rob, because I'm in love with this kid's game. Not only did he do all the efficient stuff I alluded to and really never complain, never make a mistake, all of that. When Michigan's fighting for their tournament lives down the stretch of the season, obviously they failed, right? But there were five games, a five-game stretch, the final two weeks of the regular season where it looks like you know they're a first four-out team. They need everything in this final two weeks. They went at Rutgers, Wisconsin, at Illinois, at Indiana, then their conference tournament game. Five games. Three in a row in the middle of that five-game span went to overtime. He was on the bench for 10 total minutes in that five-game stretch when three of them went to overtime. 215 minutes of basketball in a two-week span. He played 205 of the minutes, doing everything for this Michigan team. And rarely made a mistake. Like he's just so solid. And it's like people viewed him as a veteran because it said sophomore on the roster sheet. Like if this kid was just listed as a freshman, which he should be for his natural age, he's viewed so differently. And that's why somebody's going to get a steal. My comp, uh, I agree so much with your point about okay, the biggest question is is he a primary guy? Is he a point guard? I don't think the answer is yes to either of those, at least not right away. What I see is a guy who is a secondary playmaker, secondary scorer, next to a very good point guard on a very good team. R.J. Barrett, another lefty, 6'5", some size. He's a little bigger than 6'5", but R.J. Barrett is a guy, obviously he had the elite pedigree, a, a time number one ranked recruit. Kobe Bufkin was never that, right? But what he has settled into is a guy who's not ever going to be first team all NBA, but he is going to be an 18 to 20 points a game guy at minimum for the next 10 years. A guy who can get you three to five assists on any given night, a guy who will rebound the basketball. I think Kobe Bufkin has better defensive upside than RJ Barrett does, but offensively, that's what I see. A guy who can make shots, not at an elite level, a guy who can play make not at an elite level. He doesn't necessarily do anything at an all NBA level, but he does everything at an NBA level. I don't hate that. I don't hate it. I think he's a little bit of a better shooter than what, um, what RJ is. Uh, and the one thing that we did not talk about, you just kind of mentioned it right there is, you know, he, he had a ton of, what do they call it? They call it stocks, right? Steals and blocks. Tons of the guy that he, he makes a lot of plays defensively. Um, I don't, I don't know if he's the greatest defender yet, but I do think that he is someone that makes a lot of plays and is an impact defender. Um, yeah, I don't hate that. I think that's kind of like what your ideal role for him would be in terms of, of what he could be at the next level. I don't, I, I, I do not hate that comparison. Any team that drafts Jed Howard over Kobe Bufkin, that GM will be out of a job in four years. What do you think the, the worst case scenario is for him? Do you think he's a guy that, um, like, can he possibly be out of the league in four years? Cause I honestly, like, I don't, I don't really see 
a terrible floor for him. Like I think that he is someone that is is good enough at a lot of different things that he should be an NBA player for a while, even if that's as like the 10th guy off the bench for somebody down the road. Yeah, that's the thing is he's too well-rounded and he's too smart and he's a good teammate by all accounts. Like even if he's not a rotation guy and the only world I would see where he's not a rotation guy five years from now is like he's on a really good team and he's the ninth or 10th guy on a playoff team that just doesn't need him. Um, to me, he's still like, like he's the perfect guy you want in practice and the perfect guy that is ready at a moment's notice to check in and contribute. He's just really well-rounded. That's why, like, I don't think there is a floor where he's out of the league because at the very least, like he's a good defender. He has playmaking upside. He's a good shooter. He rebounds really well for his position. Like there's just, there's not anything you can pinpoint. That's like, okay, that could fall off a cliff. And he won't contribute. If anything, it would be like the shooting numbers dip, which you said you trust his shot a lot. I think I might. I I do trust his shot. I don't think he's ever going to be like a 40 plus shooter in the NBA. I think he's more like 36, 37 percent, which is what he shot in college this year. But again, that was because the first half of the season, he was like 28 percent from three. And then the second half, he was nuclear 45. Mm -hmm. So the shot is pretty he takes a lot of off the dribble shots too. Like if in the NBA he's playing next to a true point guard and he can get more catch and shoot looks, I do think there's upside there for that to grow. But yeah, there's, I just don't see a world barring like injury. I mean, he is kind of frail. That would be the one thing is like, can his body hold up? If he's going to need to be a guy who guards the best perimeter player in the NBA, he needs to put on more muscle, put on a little more weight, but I think he does that because, again, he's so young. Give him two years, put some more muscle on him, and he's going to be a 10-plus-year pro. Well, there you go. Kobe Bufkin, the best NBA prospect on a team that had Jet Howard and a team that had Hunter Dickinson. Who would have thought it if we would have said that uh, about two months ago? Listen, Greg, this has been fun. If you want more of these draft uh, draft prospect profiles, check the links in the description below. We are rolling out more than 50 of these throughout the months of May and June. And be sure to tune in. We will be doing a live mock draft one week before the NBA draft. Six experts on the panel making every single pick for every single team. Be sure to tune in. Check that out. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional basis for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of the 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles here on the Field of 68. My name is Rob Doster. That gentleman you see next to me is Greg Waddell. He is our resident Michigan fan, and he is going to help me break down Michigan guard Jet Howard, a six foot eight freshman that averaged 14 points, a couple of rebounds, a couple assists, shot 37% from three, shot 41% from the floor, and most importantly, led the Michigan Wolverines to the NIT this past season. Gregory, what do you think of Jed Howard? What do you make of him as a potential first round pick? You know, I was really hoping I was never going to have to talk about Jed Howard again, but here we are. I thought the whole Michigan program mantra has been ducking things the last couple of years. I successfully ducked having this conversation for about four months, but uh, I'm going to try to not put any bias on this because there are things that Jed Howard does on a basketball court that are pretty unmatched across this entire draft class, right? We talked about Jordan Hawkins earlier. He's great. I think he's the best shooter in the class. I think Jed Howard is a close second. His shot making is elite, for lack of a better word. His stroke is absolutely pure. Catch and shoots, pull-ups, it doesn't matter. It's pretty. His makes, when it's just a wide open catch and shoot, they barely touch the net. He's constantly thinking shot. Like That's the one thing which I think wires him like Jordan Hawkins is there's not a second he's on the basketball floor where he's thinking to do anything else other than find a way to shoot the basketball. He does flash a little bit of playmaking upside. We'll get to that in a little bit. But if you leave him alone, like it's in. The thing is, NBA teams aren't going to leave him alone. He's a little bit of a streaky shooter, not in the sense that when he's missing shots that compounds, but in the sense that he can string five, six makes together in a half. And he did that like once every two weeks at the college level. When he's hot, he's really hot. He made 38% on pull-ups this year. He likes going right. He ran some pick and roll. It went okay. A lot of NBA guys seem to think that he has this uh, this shot creation upside that I didn't really see as like an off the dribble isolation scorer. That really wasn't there for me. To me, that was one of the biggest problems with this Michigan team was they spent two and a half months of the season thinking he was that guy. And in a close game late, it was basically give Jet the ball and get out of the way. 
and they lost every close game for two and a half months because he never scored in those situations. So, you know, he's not a plus athlete. He doesn't have elite quickness. He doesn't even have good quickness. He doesn't move laterally well. He's not a high riser. He really struggled at the rim this year. He's right-hand dominant. So despite how much of a quote-unquote bucket he is, there's still a lot there just in his intangibles that I think are going to make it a lot harder for him to score at the NBA level than he did in college. But look, Rob, this is all one side of the coin of Jed Howard, the basketball player. The other side of the coin is that he was arguably the worst defender at the high major level that I saw in college basketball last season. I watched a lot of teams. I saw every team in the Big Ten multiple times. I went to a a bunch of different tournaments. Like He was a liability in a way that negatively impacted his entire team more so than any other individual player. And it's a mix of things. It's a mix of the athletic limitations I spoke to. I think it's effort related. He he just doesn't box out ever. There's not a moment that he boxes out and hits and cuts and gets low and impacts a game on the rebounding side of things. I think it's IQ related. Like I can't tell you the number of times that Michigan was in a zone defense and the other four guys on the team were playing zone defense and Jet Howard was just chasing his man to the corner and left the shooter wide open. It happened in November. It happened in March. It never got better. And for a coach's kid, like that's unfathomable to me. It just doesn't make sense. So it's one of those things where like, does all that matter in the NBA? Like, yes, obviously it does for a winning basketball team, but if the best of his shot-making stuff does translate, there's going to be some NBA teams that will still find a use for him. I just don't see the lottery upside that a lot of people do where, like, he could be an offensive engine for an NBA team. I don't think he has the athleticism or the -the off-the-dribble package to get there. No, you know what he is? He's Duncan Robinson. He is absolutely 100% Duncan Robinson, a guy that is very good when he gets his feet set and you don't guard him, a guy that you can run off of screens, um, that can manipulate defenses because of the threat of his shot coming off of those screens. He is a guy that is six foot eight and is going to be able to get that shot off against most defenses that are going to be guarding him at the NBA level. I don't think that he really was bothered that much by contested threes. Like you can get a hand up and he's still making it if he's going to make it, right? Um the stuff about him defending like is 100% accurate. Like it, it's, it's hilarious. It's laughably bad. Like it's hilarious watching his defensive film. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that at 38 years old, I haven't played a basketball game in five years that if he tried to guard me, I could face him up jab step and, and get to the rim on him. Um, but at the end of the day, he is six foot eight and he could shoot the shit out of it. And I think that there is going to be a role for him in the league because he is six foot eight and he could shoot the shit out of it. And his last name is Howard, right? I think that you bet on the fact that his that 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 development is going to come. Um, now, all that said, I'm not taking him. Like I, I think that what I'm looking for when I'm drafting him is a place where a team needs a shooter off the bench, right? Where somebody is like, look, we we didn't have enough spacing. Um, there wasn't enough room for Nikola Jokic to operate, so we got to get this guy that can go make a three and play 12 minutes game for us. Um, you know, you, you're thinking like 
Josh Doge did not make enough jumpers to be able to space the floor for Kevin Durant and KD or Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So let's go get Jet Howard because we could put him in a corner and he can make some shots for 14 minutes a game, right? Like that is what I think his role is going to be um, right away. Maybe he can get better than that. Maybe he has some upside. I think he's got so far to go as like a three and D guy that I can't really see that happening. But Duncan Robinson made $100 million as an NBA player. Max Strews is still hanging around in the NBA like as a very good rotation player. Uh, There's a reason why Jordan Hawkins is going to end up being like a top 12 pick in this year's draft. Shooting matters. And Jed Howard is, like you said, probably the second best shooter in this draft. So I, he's going to get taken in the first round. Um, He's going to get taken on a good team. And I do think that we're going to look up in the playoffs next year and you're going to be like, holy shit, Jed Howard's playing? Look at that. All right, good for him. Here's my my worry about that. I think somehow his stock has risen. And I know it, it kind of plateaued. Like early in the season, it was like he's a top 10 pick. And then as the season went on and it became clear that he was a large reason why Michigan was struggling to even have a chance to make the NCAA tournament, it, it got to like, okay, maybe he's mid-round. Maybe he's late first round. I still think like from everything I've heard and mock drafts and all that, I feel like he's a fringe lottery guy, and I think a, a team that's not playoff ready is probably going to draft him in like under the assumption he can be much more than what he is, which is a spot shooter, a Duncan Robinson type, and that's just not going to work. It's going to be underwhelming if a team asks more of him. He's probably going to fail at that, and I don't mean to be too harsh on the kid. Obviously, there's a lot of growth that can happen. Four years from now, he could look totally different than he does now, but he gets a lot of it's weird. He gets a lot of credit for having natural abilities that I just didn't see. Like he doesn't take good angles as a driver at all. And yet uh, like one of the strengths, if you watch any scouting report of him is like he can get downhill like no, he couldn't really. And if he did get downhill, he usually missed the shot or got blocked at the rim. Um, my comp for him, which this is going to sound rosy after all that I've said, I think his best case scenario is mini Michael Porter Jr. And I think where I'm going with that is that Michael Porter Jr. originally was thought to be, oh, he could be the best player in this class. He has all of this like isolation scoring Kevin Durant shit. And then in reality, like, yeah, does he? Like he he was kind of clueless defensively. He's still an elite shot maker. I think he's an elite shooter right now, but like what worked for him was he found a role with Denver where he could take some time growing. And now like in his good games, he hits six threes, maybe gets you some rebounds and isn't really asked to do anything else other than that. I think that's what the most effective version of Jet Howard will look like. I honestly don't think like in the Duncan comparison, I like where you're going with that. I think that Jet, is a little better as far as fluidity of his just offensive game in general. Like, I think he's more of a movement guy. He's going to, by default, have the ball in his hands a little more than Duncan is. And I I think that's where Porter Jr. comes in. Like, I think you still get this guy some isolation touches, and he's good enough to get you a bucket, even if it's just off the dribble, one dribble, pull up, rising and shooting. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say is to to the Michael Porter Jr. thing is he's like 6'10", 6'11". That's why why it's mini, mini MPJ. And a terrific athlete. And I think like a mini version of him is, you know, I think you lose some of that advantage that you get with his ability to get the shot off. I I just, I don't think that Jed Howard is going to be a starter in the NBA. I I just, I don't see him being 
that good. I don't think he's athletic enough. I don't think he's good enough defensively. I think he is a guy that is going to have a very specific role um, as the higher shooter off the bench. Um, And that's just kind of what I think is his long-term potential, which is why I'm not, I'm not investing a lottery pick in him. I, I, I think you, you probably want to take him in the mid to late twenties. Um, just my personal opinion, I don't think I would take him until the second round. I don't know if I want to invest uh, four years of salary there because um, I just I don't see the upside. And the thing that's concerning to me is he I mean, he's already 19. He'll turn 20. He's the age of sophomores. And we're still seeing some of those issues and have some of those question marks. Like, yeah, what does he do? He doesn't do other than shooting. Nothing. He does not impact a basketball game positively. He only no. impacts it negatively. No, yeah, it's nothing. Um, I mean, he does have a big frame. Like, he's 6'8". I, I think he could potentially be like a small ball four in the right system here if he learns to rebound he, at all. He's not guarding but, fours in the NBA. Well, he's not guarding anybody in the NBA. He's not guarding guards in the NBA. He's not guarding fours <laughs> yeah. in the NBA. He ain't guarding in the NBA. He's not guarding it, but he might expose fours in the NBA better from his perimeter skill set. Than, Fair enough. Um, but I don't know. I My favorite thing here, final word on Jet for me, my favorite thing is that one of your positives on Jet on why he could work in the NBA still came back to because he's a Howard. When will the nepotism end, Rob Doster? Well, like, no, I'm, I'm not saying that's you're right. You're I'm right. I'm saying that's why it'll work. I'm saying that's why I think there will be a team that picks him because they just kind of say, hey, look, he's got the bloodlines. He knows like Jamal's no, going right. to right. be able to get him to a point where he understands what it takes. Like he gets what the NBA life is about. And I don't think that he'll be, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys where they get money for that first time. And it's kind of like, well, are they going to keep working? Well, you don't have to worry about Jet Howard getting money for the first time. Like he grew up very wealthy. So. Um, yeah. that's you do something. have to worry about him working though. Work work was not exactly what I'd associate <laughs> with his game. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, this has been the breakdown of Michigan's Jet Howard, who uh I, I feel like you wanted to you wanted to crush him and then you ended up liking him a little bit more as a prospect than I do. The, that Michigan blood is always gonna run uh run pure. For Greg Waddell, for uh, I'm Rob Doster. Um, if you like these draft prospect profiles, make sure you check out the description below. We have links to the more than 50 other profiles that we are going to be rolling out over the course of May uh, and June. And be sure to tune in a week before the actual NBA draft. We will have six experts on, and we will be doing a live mock draft, making every pick as if we are every single team. See you guys there. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.